This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS Radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there, too. Welcome to HITS Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I have Paul Hammond on the show again today. Paul's from Vaporweek Canine. He'll be teaching a couple of good classes at HITS. We did a show just recently talking about the importance of operational-based training and basically pointing your training in the right direction and not just doing uh, training for the sake of training. And in that episode, if you didn't catch it, go back, scroll through the the episodes here and check that episode out. I've gotten good feedback on it. Lots of people uh, realize that when you listen to Paul talk just for a few minutes based on his experience, you realize that if you're a bomb dog handler, uh, myself included as a bomb dog handler, we all need to pick our game up just a little bit because uh, think there's some places places where we get a little complacent because luckily in this country we don't find a lot of bombs so it's easy to to be a little bit be a little bit complacent sometimes so paul how are you doing today i'm doing great i'm doing great yeah as a reminder for our listeners can you just give us a kind of brief overview of your background i know you are are, uh, very well experienced yeah look uh, 30 years in canine um 21 of those years have been in operational environments around the world um, 15 years in, in Northern Ireland, uh, battling wits against terrorist organizations. Um, of course, the domestic terrorism uh, scene there was uh, pretty horrific. You know, we lost 1,440-plus um, uh, um, soldiers, British soldiers, uh, in that conflict over 35 years. And uh, But as a canine handler, um, you know, um, going on between anywhere between sort of five and 20 tasks a day um, of all different uh, types, um, you know, you certainly fine-tuned your game and your sixth sense. And over the 15 years, um, I, I went down towards many thousands of uh, live explosive devices. And fortunately for me, I lived to tell the tale. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to passing on some of that knowledge as I do at the VWK Nose Academy and at, at uh, conferences such as yours. Um, and the final part of my career, um, I spent seven years uh, in the Middle East, uh, managing and supporting uh, U.S. Department of Defense, Department of State uh, canine programs out there. Of course, that was a, a whole different level of terrorism in the sure. sense of international, not so much domestic, um, uh, you know, a different type of threat um, and different landscape, uh, especially in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, so, yeah, between those 20-plus uh, uh, years uh, operational, um, it certainly uh, – taught me to uh, use the uh, doctrine and, and, and our teachings uh, as a basic guide to dog handling, but that's about where it ends, um, and i um, happy to pass on, uh, on experience. And that's what's great about your classes. As I mentioned, I've been able to go to your class several times at HITS. Um, I always take something away from it, even, even if it's the same classes from the year before, because I know you tweak it a little bit, and then Absolutely. maybe I forget a few things here or there, and, and yeah. hearing it more than once is always good. So I, I mentioned in the last class, uh, last episode of this is that your class is, uh, I find it deeply informative. And what I really like is I don't uh, feel like you're holding anything back. You know, we always, we vet our instructors heavily and uh, all of our instructors know that, that HITS is not about infomercials. So yeah. um, sometimes people like you, you've got a, a fantastic company and, and you have an academy, people uh you know, maybe are worried if I go to this class, it'll be a teeny bit of information. And then I got to go to a, 
uh, you know, his company to actually get all the information. And that's certainly not the case. You put it all out on the table and then some, and, and then you're always also available, you know, in between classes and after class and everything to, to share information. So I appreciate your the time you put into, to sharing this with, you know, all the handlers with the, the idea that I know you just want to improve our profession. No, absolutely. It's, it's so important. And, um, you know, when we, uh, when we're given these seminars, especially on, on the operational-based explosives training and, um, and intelligence gathering, you know, that's something, uh, a subject that's very dear to my heart, you know, and I've uh, lost many good friends and handlers, and, and, I, and I was constantly uh, learning as I went, um, you know, fine-tuning um, our procedures and operating procedures and, and updating doctrine. Um, you know, I think we updated the British military doctrine 10 times um, over my deployed period in Northern Ireland, you know, when you consider that a lot of militaries, including the American militaries, I think they changed their American doctrine once in, <laughs> in 50 yeah. years, uh, yeah. you know, so uh, because the terrorist threat is always evolving. Um, yeah. If you don't get current and stay ahead of it, then there's a big problem. And, you know, as I said earlier, you know, any doctrine is, is just the basics um, and any uh, operating procedures is just the basics. You know, when you're facing new types of devices, new types of trigger mechanisms, um, you know, and, uh, you know, terrorist organizations that are setting you up with hoaxes so they can see how you search and how you break out in formation and as, as a military convoy arrives and so forth and so on. Even in the private sector, you know, we, we can't underestimate, you know, how much uh, background work the terrorist is actually doing in reconnaissance and planning um, and so on. And to stay ahead of that, um, you've really got to be on your game. And some of the things I teach, um, you know, are how I stayed ahead um, going down towards so many devices and 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 keep it safe. Um, and I can tell you that um, a lot of it um, comes from a lot of first-hand experience and and that of my colleagues. Um, and um, you know, it, it definitely want to relay that uh, to the people we're speaking to at uh, the Hits Conference, and uh, hopefully they can uh, put that into practice as well. Sure. And I know uh, one of the classes you could teach is about search intel, and I've I've seen the class and I've talked to you about it. What what do you uh, what entails search intel and as a dog handler a bomb dog handler what should we probably be changing as a profession when it when it comes to that Yeah, well, you know, um, in in our last discussion when we talked about uh, operational based training, you know, I mentioned um, that I I truly believe that most uh, explosive detection dog handlers that I come across, uh, although they they believe they're they're truly um, you know doing well and um, and, and are a good proficient dog team um in reality i think they're they're operating around 70 percent of what they could be um and they certainly as i mentioned before have operational based training uh, that is lacking but also the use of search intelligence is almost um non-existent in all sure. of them and the moment i start to put through scenarios uh which require them to ask relevant search intelligence to help them better prioritize and shape the search and 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 use their uh, battery of a canine um, a lot better um, they go to pieces um, because you know a lot of dog training scenarios are uh, and and and, um, and training um, you know concepts and so on uh, require a you know pretty simple uh, plate aid placement um, you know where it's out uh, odor only um, there's a you know sequence of, of rooms or left boundaries right boundaries, yep. and so on it's pretty basic stuff because the end result we seem to want gratification all the time that our dog can find odor and put his ass down and, and thereby that's enough. 
Um, you know, training time operationally is pretty limited in most agencies anyway. Um, so I understand it. Um, but that doesn't help the situation where a lot of the scenarios I do um, and when, when I'm teaching the use of intelligence, I can shape a, a scenario where if you do not ask intelligence questions from me, it's going to take you four hours. If yeah. you ask the right questions, it'll take you 15 minutes. Um, yeah. You know, and every aid placement that I've got out is relevant. It's relevant to the scenario. Uh, even even the uh, trigger mechanisms that are out with the explosive component parts play their role. For example, if I'm putting a scenario together and it's a radio-controlled device, um, then it's not just the explosives I'm going to put out. It's a you know an RC type device, or it's a mobile phone, a pager, or something like that that I'm going to put with it and the wiring looms and so on and so forth. Obviously, I'm not going to put detonator out with it, sure. but I can put a simulant out, debt out. I'm trying to create a realistic scent picture for the dog because sometimes the odor is the difficult part of the scent picture, but the component parts, you know, the related bomb-making materials, human scent, fresh disturbance, and those things that I've talked about, um, you know, they can play their part in guiding your dog and, and having that initial interest um, before he recognizes that the explosive odor is there. Um, so even the trigger mechanism, if I put an RC device out, the first thing I'm going to do is get my mobile phone out and see if there, I can get a, a signal. You know, yeah. um, if there's two bars, then fine. I've got a good aid placement, which is relevant to the scenario, and I can legitimately put it this as an RC device because I've yeah. got a signal here. It's no putting a scenario out with an RC device that's underneath a drain where there's no air signal and so on, and it's irrelevant to the scenario. Yeah. There's not enough thought of this. You know, why put out a timer power unit type device in a scenario with, a, you know, a VIP that's walking past if you don't know what time the VIP is arriving and you haven't gathered that intelligence? You know, yeah. so it's, it's a lot more complex. And if you can get handlers thinking like a terrorist and to that level of complexity, not just about the aid itself or the, the explosive device, but the component parts, the trigger mechanism, and, and actually even putting the device in there, am I going to be seen? is this viable place and so on if you think like a terrorist when you're putting out explosive devices in the scenario for your handlers students and so on and then you teach the handler to think the same way now you're going to have a more proficient dog team you know sure and i i, I really like that concept and i think i mentioned in the last episode that there's so much hide and seek that goes on i and not just with patrol dogs with dope dogs and even with uh with uh Patrol dogs and arc dogs where, you know, just go put a bad guy out in one building, a sterile building, and see if your dog can find him. Well, that should be an everyday easy deal. Uh, and I think the, you know, we call it scenario-based training, operational-based training. I think that's lacking in all the different uh, um, parts of our profession. So I sure like uh, that part of it. And then pairing in with, you know, just the intel gathering and ask some questions and start making really making your own life a lot easier. And I know uh, in your class, you give a couple of great examples. You have some pictures of a hotel scenario you do. And uh, that really brought a lot to me just watching it and thinking about, you know, for our training days, I try to incorporate that a lot more. Yeah, I mean, it's real data. I mean, you know, we as, as you know, we had over 100 students um, go through that scenario and I captured all the data uh, because it's invaluable. You know, we had military sure. teams, special forces teams, law enforcement, private sector teams go through that scenario, that simple VIP scenario. And of course, I, I, I talked to uh, to this uh, scenario on, on the class that I'll be doing at HITS. Um, but, 
you know, gathering the intelligence, you know, really helps people understand the task and it helps them prioritize and use their canine properly. Um, and more importantly, save energy. Because as you know, you know, the dog team, um, you know, the dog itself, you know, is to me, I mean, I hate to use this because some people get offended, but it's a battery, you know, yeah. and it's a battery. And when the battery um, is, is fully charged, the, the bulb shines bright. Um, but when it um, loses its, its energy, um, then the bulb starts to dim. And that's exactly what happens to the canine olfactory and the proficiency of our, of our dog teams, whether we like it or not. Uh, And so the more you can prioritize a search, that it's a 20-minute search, not a two-hour search because you're going by the manual and searching this and progressing as you go and all the rest of it and so on. And, you know, people uh, need to understand that doing that, um, prioritizing search can be done by gathering intelligence so you can better shape that. It also helps you understand the threat um, and therefore you can search more productive areas. It speeds up the search. You know, it keeps you and your canine safe. Um, sure. You better understand the likely threat. You know, in Northern Ireland, I, I had an intel brief that I was, you know, that there was a horizontal Mark 16 uh, mortar laid out for us um, for a vehicle driving by, you know, and I had a new dog team uh, that was just in new, live into theater uh, that was searching the left-hand side of the road. We were virgin. I was on the right-hand side of Glen Road, and we were searching for a horizontal mortar. When I looked across the road at my fairly young handler that was on the streets in all the night, and I called a stop to the operation, called him in, and had to brief him because he was going along searching uh, drains and manholes and things like that. Well, when I said to him, you know, what are we, listen to the intel, we're, we're looking for a horizontal mortar. How can you possibly, what are you shooting, the stars? You know, this is going to be, um, you know, three foot, four foot off the ground because it's got to hit the center mass of a vehicle that's driving by. It's more likely uh, not going to have an overshoot that's a member of the public or a school um, along here because if it misses the uh, target area, it's, it's going to be an own goal and it's bad yeah. propaganda. And when I got him thinking like that, all of a sudden, his search became easy, sure. uh, you know, and we got through the Glen Road very, very, very quickly because we had a better understanding of the intelligence and therefore were able to prioritize the search. So not just, I mean, that's a great operational one. And then we've talked about training, but, you know, personalize it for me. I'm a, I'm a bomb dog handler in Colorado. I know that in your class, you give some examples. If, if you were in my shoes, what would be some things you would be doing uh, to gather intel about you know the threats and what I could do to make my uh, job better. Well, I mean, as a handler on the ground, um, having a checklist is, is always a good one. You know, um, you know, I have all my dog teams go out with an SOP card uh, card, regardless. You know, so sure. you know, having a card because when you're face to face with you know um, agencies on the ground or management on the ground to the venue and so on, they say, well why are you doing that or why can't you search this suspect bag and so on it's always easy for a handler to be able to pull out the sop card and say look yep. you know, it says here i should not and so on yep. so an sop card is always good but we used to have notebooks uh, where we used to have a series of questions okay and uh, and in fact we talk about some of those questions in in, in the class um but you know you know has the area been searched before that, that's very very important to understand you know because if it's got a past performance of yes it had an attack in 2010 this is what happened and so on uh yes it's the boston marathon this happened in 2013 yeah. and so forth this was the type of device it prepares you for how 
that terrorist cell and that AOR area of operation was was thinking and operating. You know, who's the VIP? Who's the uh, what's the routine? What's the drop off point? You know, uh, you know, what's the scenario that you've been called into? Why is there a time limit uh, on this? You know, what are the uh, who are the members of the public that are going to be here? Are there any additional VIPs? And there's a whole sequence of questions. Sure that you can ask and define, and that will give you a better understanding. And the beauty is it doesn't take you all but two to three minutes to ask those questions, but you can save hours of, of time um, from from your plan of search. I mean, everybody sure. can have a plan, um, but make that plan based off the intelligence that you've gathered um, for your task, um, and then be prepared to be flexible in that plan. Uh, you know, if a door's locked and you can't get down this corridor or something changes, or the threat changes, or intel changes, be prepared to be flexible as well. Um, so that's those are the key things. Um, you can go prepared for your young handlers and give them a, a bunch of questions if it, if it makes them feel more comfortable speaking to somebody and asking those yeah. questions. But these agencies that are listening to this now see in front of them a really switched-on dog handler who usually yeah. comes in, doesn't say anything, and, and just is told where to go. Um, Search and, an area that he's told to by somebody who who doesn't really even understand their job. Correct. And 45 minutes into the wholesale search, they haven't even searched the right floor. Yeah. Um, you know, that type of thing. And, you know, I see a lot of canine teams. Um, they say, you, you know, we're a 50, 50 partnership, uh, me and my, me and my dog. And, you know, that's just not true. Um, you know, I think any, any dog that, you know, gets put into his harness or is told to, to search on and is fresh and, and got loads of energy absolutely is operating at 70 or 80 percent uh, of the of the canine team you know a seven out of ten uh, to start with in sure. fact handlers can you know sit back and let their dog do the work um, and be a little bit complacent flippant at three thirty percent but as time goes on you know that dog team's energy starts to drop um, and he suddenly becomes a six and a five and a four and a three. Well, what I see is the handlers still that started off at three because their dog was full of energy and doing all the work for them remain at three. Um, and instead, as their canine drops, they should be starting to get more animated and put a lot more effort yep. in their body movement and so on. They need to come to be a seven if their dog is dropping down over time to be a three. So it's a real, my point is it's a real team effort and you can help your dog um, save his energy, um, and by gathering intelligence and uh, using it to good effect. And, and I think good, strong uh, operational-based training or scenario-based training, whichever you want to call it, I think that's a way that uh, taxes the handler and the dog to the point where you can push the handler to learn how to motivate the dog through those Oh, you're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. In fact, uh, we have an advanced class, um, EDD class, and in that advanced class, you know, I, I take several of the, of the of the key classes, and one of the classes I do, which is kind of a finale, is I get the class split in half. We have six students on our on our advanced class, and I have three of them that play the role of a terrorist, and three of them that play the role of a canine uh, handler, and the three that are the terrorists, both uh, canine team and the terrorist team are given a single sheet of paper, a four-sized paper, with a poster of a congressman that's visiting a hotel uh, in the morning scenario and a church in the evening, one to open a swimming pool and one to open a new library at the church. And that's all they've got. They've got a, a picture of, of me in a suit, uh, the location, 
and the time that I'm opening up the swimming pool or opening up uh, the library. And that's all they've got. Uh, but they're told, the terrorist cell is told, you will have uh, between three to one hours before the VIP um, arrival uh, to plant one or as many devices as you like. And uh, the dog teams are told that one hour before the arrival, you will be on scene to conduct a, a sweep, canine. And they both have the same intelligence. Uh, they both have the same piece of paper. So the, the, the guys that have, uh, are in the terrorist group, um, I give them a bag of tricks. So um, live explosive sure. devices uh, with various different trigger mechanisms, uh, um, trick, trick, um, RC devices. Some have timer power units attached to them electronically and, and, um, and manual um, and RC devices with mobile phones attached to the explosive odor and so on. So real explosives, real trigger mechanisms, obviously minus detonators. And the hotel staff and the, and the church staff are in on this. Um, and of course, what the handlers suddenly realize is that, you know, they've got to go into that scenario, into that hotel and try and plant these devices. Even though yeah. the hotel style are in on it, they're in on it in the sense of if they see any suspicious activity, they, re they relay it to the instructor um, and that, that device is automatically eliminated. Okay. If a device uh, with the relevant uh, documentation is discovered by anybody, it is eliminated. Um, and the trigger mechanism, if they put, you know, uh, an RC device down, it has to have a telephone signal by it. If they put a timer power unit uh, down to go off at a certain time, they have to give that time to the instructor to set on his alarm. And then when the VIP, if, I, if I'm within six foot, when the alarm goes off of the device, they get a kill. Yeah. So but what it does, Jeff, is it puts them in the mindset of thinking like a terrorist and how hard it is to get in and out without being seen, to yeah. play the device that's relevant. And then, you know, then the dog teams come in an hour before and the, the terrorist guys, they go and be in a holding role with the instructor and go into silent mode, just observing. But if the canine teams think like a terrorist of where to put device and so on, more often than not, they come out on top, you know, and of course, then I come in, um, usually a few minutes earlier or a few minutes late um, as, as normal and walk and go and open up the pool or sign the new library open. And it's a real eye-opener to all when you're thinking like a terrorist of how damn difficult it is to kill somebody, you know, especially when you've got proficient canine teams that are thinking and prioritizing the search like a terrorist organization. Um, but that's a good example of a real scenario that gets your handlers and dog teams thinking and i tell you as a long time dog handler those kind of scenarios they sound like fun to me oh, so yeah. i think i think you get some guys who they dread training maybe they're not in the right position because if uh if you're listening to this and you're a bomb dog handler and you'd rather go search an empty school that has been unoccupied for six years and find a stick of dynamite in a drawer just to say you did it, um, I think maybe you might not be in the right position because I think we should all strive to be doing these types of scenarios and enjoying it because that's that's really the world we live in. Yeah, and, and the, in the world we live in, there is a threat at this moment in time, and it's nobody's fault that they haven't walked down towards many live explosive device and then got the experience, um, but they have to understand that their time is now. And they are, you know, explosive detection dog handlers now. And many dog handlers have, have been killed over the years. Um, seven of my friends in Northern Ireland um, because of complacency. Um, and, you know, when we look at complacency, it comes in many forms. You know, not taking their role as an explosive detection dog team seriously. 
you know, believing it will never happen to them. You know, there are more valuable high priority targets than where I'm deployed, you know, not fully understanding domestic and global terrorist threats, um, not understanding a terrorist network and how a cell works and, you know, current explosive threats, the types of trigger mechanisms. And of course, the, the final two, you know, not, um, you know, conducting operational based training and not understanding uh, search intelligence. Outstanding. Well, I appreciate all the information. I, again, if you guys like this type of uh, training and you want to get more into it, even if you're not a bomb dog handler, Paul represents the quality of instructors that we have at HITS. So you can uh, hear just, uh, this isn't just your average uh, class. This is going to be a, a high-end class. And that's what we strive for with all of our instructors, to, to be a little bit out of, outside the box, give you some uh, tools that you don't hear every single day at HITS. So we have lots of great instructors coming to Chicago this year. Paul's among many of them. Lots of great network opportunities. You'll have opportunities to talk to all the instructors, all the vendors, and meet more than a thousand fellow handlers. One thing about HITS is that we're all law enforcement. We could have a lot more handlers there if we open it up to you know, civilians, but we've decided a long time ago that we want to be a law enforcement seminar. It makes it very easy for Paul to spread this kind of information, knowing that the audience, and we can get deeper into the woods and a lot of this stuff uh, in person, knowing that the audience there is all law enforcement embedded handlers. So it makes a good learning environment, makes it very friendly for all the law enforcement that's there, law enforcement and military. So Paul, I appreciate you taking the time out today. I know you're real busy and uh, another great episode and I'm sure we'll have you back on very soon. Thank you very much, Paul. Oh, great, Jeff. Looking forward to HITS, guys. Excellent. Thank you. Take care. HITS Radio is brought to you by the professionals at HITS Training and Consulting. Don't miss out on the world's largest law enforcement canine training conference coming to the McCormick Center in Chicago, Illinois this August. HITS has the most diverse class schedule to fit your training needs. And with over 100 vendors, you'll find everything you need to gear up for your next shift. Register today and save at www.hitscanine.net.